going to lead right into those things that we talked about last week and the things that we'll be speaking of next time we pick up in Malachi, which is always a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9. question I'd like to ask us this morning is this. Why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? We talked about it just briefly last week, gave you a little sneak peek as to what you were going to see today. Today we're going to spend the entire service asking that question. Why does God bless us? I'm going to give you a little picture of my morning this morning. I woke up, 5 o'clock, got up, got out of bed, took a shower, got dressed, went down, did my personal devotions, and spent a little time reviewing for my sermons for the day and my my lessons that I teach. Around 7 o'clock, I went and visited my little girls as they were getting up in the morning, said hello to them, came down and decided it was time to make breakfast. So I made breakfast while my wife was dressing the little girls, getting them ready for the day, and Then we sat down and we ate breakfast. Finished breakfast, went and I opened my closet and looked, tried to decide which suit I was going to wear. I got my suit and I put it on and I then had to decide what shirt and tie I was going to wear. And So I found a shirt and tie that I wanted to wear, this is one of my favorite combos, put that on and I was ready to go for the day. Went down and little girls were getting ready, we put their jackets on them, and I compiled my things, and we went and locked up the house, got in our car, and drove to church. Might be a fairly typical morning. I trust most of you woke up this morning. A couple of you I don't think did, but most of you woke up this morning. Many of you might have eaten breakfast. If you didn't eat breakfast, you chose not to eat breakfast this morning. Then you went to your closet, and you perhaps chose from among various garments that you could put on today. You might have even had a choice of shoes, choice of jewelry. Then you got into a car, perhaps, perhaps not. Most of us got into a car this morning. We might have even been able to make a choice of which car we wanted to take and drove to church. These are simple, almost trite summaries of a person's morning. But can you see all of the individual blessings? in those various events, that I could choose what clothes I want to put on in the morning, that if I don't feel like wearing that, I can wear this, that I could even decide I don't want to eat a meal. I skipped breakfast this morning, some of you might say. People in other countries would say, you did what? (laughs) You skipped a meal? You had food and you didn't eat it? And yet, sometimes we're just not hungry. Maybe we don't eat breakfast. Maybe we skip lunch every day. We just don't need that much food. We've got more food than we need. We're blessed with health. We're blessed with abilities. We're blessed to be able to decide what to wear, what to eat, what vehicle to drive to church. And when we put our mind to it, there is never any doubt that we, regardless of the particular circumstances in this room, can find things to be thankful for question I would like to ask us this morning is not what are you thankful for, but why does God bless us? As we look at the blessings that are all around us, why? Why would God do it? Why does God bless us? It's an important question and his answer might be a little bit different than what you were thinking. 
So this morning, if you have your notes there, or if you see the outline, we'll look at two considerations concerning your observance of Thanksgiving. Two considerations concerning your observance of Thanksgiving. I hope this changes the way you observe Thanksgiving. As we look this morning at 2 Corinthians 9, 6-15. I'll read it if you'd follow along. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Two considerations concerning your observance of Thanksgiving. Consider, first of all, that you are proportionally blessed. Those things that you're going to be thankful for this week, all those things that you've been given, consider that you are proportionally blessed. This is found in verses 6 through 10. You are, in verses 6 through 7, blessed in proportion to your cheerful giving. Blessed in proportion. Now remember last week's message, we're not necessarily talking material wealth when we're talking about blessing. We're not necessarily talking about material wealth. Paul's statements in verses 6 and 7 fall within the context of his exhortation to the church of Corinth concerning, as he calls it in chapter 9, verse 1, ministering to the saints. Here's the situation. There had been great persecution in the church at Jerusalem for their Christian faith. This persecution hit them financially, it hit them materially. And thus they found themselves in tremendous material need, tremendous material lack. Paul, seeing this need, determined to take an offering for this church, for the church at Jerusalem, from each of the churches that he was in contact with, in order that the saints around the world might help in these needs in Jerusalem. Now he begins this exhortation by saying, it is superfluous. That I write unto you. He says it is more than necessary that I would write unto you. Because I know that you are already givers. I know that you already are a generous people. But he tells them that he has been boasting a great deal on their generosity. And he's sending people to collect their offering. And he wouldn't want these people to get there. And for them not to be ready to give. And for them to be embarrassed. Or to not be able to live up to the boasting which he's boasted of them. So he reminds them in this epistle to be generous. And this is where we pick up in the context of verse 6. Where Paul teaches them about the character of God as it relates to our blessing. Both material and otherwise. And then consequently our giving. 
The principle he espouses here is the principle of sowing and reaping. This is one of the most simple principles for us in the scriptures to understand from an earthly perspective. Paul makes it clear that the earthly metaphor of sowing and reaping carries over very, very strongly into the spiritual realm. Here's the idea. Next summer, spring, my wife and I intend to plant a garden. We just moved into our house in August. We didn't really want to plant it this year, of course, but next year we'll plan on planting a garden. Now, we're going to prepare the soil. Imagine with me, we break the ground, we till it, we prepare, we make sure there's good soil, we make sure there's no weeds, we make sure all the rocks are out of there, we put a fence around the area so animals can't come in and eat our plants, and now it's time to physically plant the seed. I have a bucket of seeds, and I take one seed, and I open the ground a little bit, and I place that seed into the ground, and I close it up. And there, I've planted my tomato plant. And I take one little corn seed, and I plant that corn seed, and I cover it over. And I plant various vegetables, one, at a, one, one of each, one seed of each. Now time goes, and these plants grow which would be unlikely with one seed, but these plants grow. And I'm looking at my garden, and I see one corn stalk, one tomato plant, one lettuce, one potatoes down there somewhere. And I look over at my neighbor's garden, and I see all sorts of things. I see corn everywhere. I see tomatoes. I see cabbage. I see lettuce. I see cucumbers and zucchini. And I look over, and I go up to my neighbor, and I say, hey, why do you have more than I do? Why is it that you've got a garden full? I planted. I prepared the soil. I did, I did the work. Why is it that you have a whole garden and I've got one tomato plant and I've got one corn stalk? He'd look at me and he'd say, because I planted more than one. Because I sowed great seed. I didn't sow sparingly. I sowed bountifully the seed, and so I'm reaping bountifully of the seeds that I sowed. You sowed sparingly. One seed. What were, you, what were you expecting out of one seed? You're reaping that which you sow. That's the concept. That's the whole idea of the sowing and reaping principle. And this is the principle that Paul is teaching. You will reap blessing in proportion to your willingness to sow. You will reap blessing in proportion to your willingness to give. To the man who gives sparingly, a word which in the Greek means to be stingy, its root meaning to abstain or to spare, that man will reap the same, stingily. To the man who gives bountifully, a word literally meaning in blessing or abundance, he will reap in abundance. And so we see this principle. Sowing and reaping principle. He that sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He that sows bountifully reaps bountifully. Now this principle, as we think about it, would seem right for manipulation, would it not? After all, that means all I would need to do to be rich would be to give a lot of money. I sow abundantly, I should reap abundantly. If I want to be blessed, I simply need to give. And this giving should then 
you would think, right? Obligate God to give back to me. And the money should just pour right in. Well, that's wrong. We know that. We talked last week about that. How blessing does not always come on the physical plane. And yet, as Paul speaks of blessing here, he is in fact speaking from a physical perspective in part. He is in fact speaking about the blessings that have been given, the material, physical blessings that have been given to the people of Corinth. And their responsibility to take that which they have been given and do something with it. And so though we must understand, and I believe we understand this, those of you who were here last week, that I am not advocating this morning that God will always give to you materially in abundance for your material giving. We're talking about spiritual blessings. Yet we recognize as a group of people that God has blessed this nation and us as believers with material provision. God has blessed us, each to various degrees in this room. Some of us have been blessed more than others with material prosperity. And that is within the context with which we are talking this morning. So, within the context of material prosperity, does the manipulation principle work? If I give a great deal of what I have to others, is God going to bountifully give back to me as an obligation with my intent being that I would get more for giving more? Well, no. It's not quite how the sowing and reaping principle works. How do we know this? We know this because as we look into the scriptures, we see in verse 7 some qualifiers to our giving. Look with me in verse 7 of, of 2 Corinthians 9. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Not grudgingly. That word literally means not with heaviness. This is the man who cringes as he places that giving envelope in the box or in the offering plate, thinking of all the ways he could have spent that money other than giving it to the church. So the sowing and reaping principle is based upon a man who is giving without grudging. Second principle uh, necessity here is not of necessity. The world liter literally meaning they're in constraint. This is the man that says, well, if I must, I must. This is the man who says, if I give, then I am giving specifically for the purpose of getting. This is the man who's giving for some ulterior motive other than being what the end of the verse says, a cheerful giver. This is the man that we saw come up in Malachi chapter 1. You remember the priests who God asked them, would you kindle fire on my altar for naught? If you were not obligated because you're a priest to worship me, would you ever even worship me? This is the second qualifier here. God is looking upon us and he's saying, if you did not feel obligated to give, would you still give? See, the sowing and reaping principle, the reaping bountifully as we sow bountifully, even on a material level, is not a principle of manipulation. It's a principle of heart. It's a principle whereby we are giving to God of our money, of our talents, of our abilities, of our intellect, of our time. And we are giving, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, but as each man purposes in his heart, he's giving unto God cheerfully, specifically giving to God. And so the passage does not teach us 
if you give your required amount to the church, you will be blessed by God materially. This passage teaches us that to the amount to which your love for God and your faith in God compels you to willingly give to God, God will bountifully bless you in return. Because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Legacy Baptist Church, as with most churches, as many of you know, is supported by the giving of its faithful attendees. I say this not to be offensive or to minimize your giving, but I also say it with genuineness. If you are giving to this church, but are not giving to God with the proper motivations of love and obedience, as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, but cheerfully, you are absolutely wrong in your giving. Your giving is not doing any good spiritually to you. Giving is great. This church needs the money. But this church will be provided for by God. This is a matter of you and God and your heart before God. As you give to this church your time, coming on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, a Tuesday evening, coming for Sunday school, as you give your abilities, playing the piano, playing the instruments, uh, helping us pick up things at the end of the services, helping coming a little bit early and setting up, as you give your time, your ability, your talents to God, the blessing comes when you are one who is giving as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, but cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I long for the day when this church will have enough money that I can stop working a second job. I long for the day when this church is capable, both in size and in financial ability, to have our own building and to have the flexibility of being able to have a building of our own. I long for those days, but what I long for more is that every dollar that is given to this church and through this church would be motivated by purposed, cheerful hearts, complete, without grudging, or of necessity. And if you can't find it in your hearts to do that, then perhaps you shouldn't give until you can. Until you can come to that point where giving to you is an extension of your worship to God. Instead of an extension of some obligation, some compulsion, some feeling of necessity, some grudging necessity. See, because as we look at 2 Corinthians 9, God doesn't want the grudging necessity giver. God wants the purposed cheerful giver. And that is the giver that will be blessed for his giving. God gives us proportionally as cheerful givers. God gives us as well in proportion to our determined obedience. Now that's not to say, as I've mentioned, that there's no place for obedience. God has called us to give and we ought to give. God has called us to be faithful in giving and we ought to be faithful in giving. 
He continues in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. See, when we give, as Paul mentions here, the principle is that God is able to make you abound. We can give as God purposes in our hearts. We can feel free to give of our time, to give of our effort, to give of our abilities, to give of our money. Because when God sees the cheerful, purpose giving of our, of our graces, God is able to abound those back toward you. And we see this and we know this. The Greek word used here for abound and throughout the passage is a word that literally means to superabound. It's the word abound in the Greek with an extra added emphasis. Superabound. To have enough with more to spare. To have tremendous bounty and fullness. God is able to make all grace abound. That word grace, we know it, means unmerited favor. God giving that which we don't deserve. In this context, it speaks of those blessings which come into our lives, either physical or spiritual. Whether that is a spiritual grace, an intellectual grace, a physical grace, a material grace, they're all graces. They're all gifts from God that we don't deserve. All those things that you think of this week when you're thankful to God, all of those things that come to your mind when I think of Thanksgiving, I thank the Lord for my family. I thank the Lord for my church. I thank the Lord for being the pastor of this church. I thank the Lord for the second job he's given to me to provide for my family. I thank the Lord for the ability that he's given me to understand the scriptures. I thank the Lord for the opportunity that he's given me to uh, memorize his word and to have the, the ability to, to sink those words into my mind so that I can relay them to others without having to open my Bible. I thank the Lord for the ability physically that he's given to me where I can work around my house and I have the ability to do so and the, the physical um, capability to see many of those things done without having to pay others to do it for me. As I think about all of those things that I'm thankful for, each one is a grace given to me by God. And the scriptures teach me that to the degree to which I'm, I will cheerfully, purposefully give those graces back to God, he is able to make them abound. He's able to make them abound. I think of my own ability to work with my hands, woodwork. When I was in middle school, I took a woodworking class. And I should have failed out of that class. I was terrible. It's not that I didn't do good work, it's that I did it way too slow. I just kept goofing up. And if I goofed up, I was ready to start all over again. But I wasn't skilled enough not to goof up. And so I just couldn't get anything done. Fast forward to today, and my wife and I have put in a brand new set of stairs not too long ago into our house. Something I didn't know how to do before. I didn't know if I'd be able to do it. But they look just fine. And they support our weight, which is important. And I look at those stairs and I say, I don't know how the young man that failed out, that should have failed out of shop class could build those stairs. And yet, somehow God has given me the grace by which I was able to do that without having to go to someone else. I thank the Lord for these things. And notice at the end of verse 8 what God says about this grace. He's able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. 
Why did God give me that grace? Why did God give me the grace of public speaking? Why did God give me the grace of a mind that can memorize? The grace of a mind that can understand scripture? Why did God give you the grace of knowing how to play an instrument? Why did God give you the grace of having money in your bank account? Why did God give you the grace of being good with computers or with tools or with electricity or with plumbing or with whatever the case may be that God has graced you with? Is it so that you can live your life and make money and buy the things you want and die and leave it all to the government or to some of your relatives? This verse says that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. We'll come back to this in a moment. Verse 9. Verse 9 is a quote of Psalm 112, verse 9, which describes the character of our God as one that gives to those who are in need and in a manner that is consistent with righteousness. Yet as Paul applies this passage to the believer... He goes well beyond just physical giving. Look at the verses. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. But notice what else Paul says as he applies this. Now he that ministereth seed, who is that? That's God, to the sower. Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what's the problem? Why, perhaps, are we not seeing the bounty that we might expect in our lives through the abilities that we have? Well, perhaps we're not reaping much because we don't sow much. Perhaps God's not abounding us because he has no reason to abound us. Perhaps the reason why we don't Reap bountifully is because we don't give cheerfully. Perhaps the reason why we don't reap much righteousness in our lives is because we're not sowing much righteousness into our lives. God has given us the seed. He's the one that ministers the seed, verse 10, to the sower. And he's the one that ministers bread and seed to be sown and increases the fruit of our righteousness. God has given us the seed. He will multiply it. But we simply don't plant much of that seed. Do we? Now we come to the heart of the sermon. The answer to the question that we asked at the beginning. The real focus of Paul's teaching. The fact is that if the distribution of our graces is done with the specific intent of simply getting more from God. Giving to God to get more from God. Then we've already missed out on every spiritual benefit. We've missed out on the sowing and reaping principle because it's not done in the right spirit. God blesses us proportionally, but what we really need to understand, second, is that God blesses us purposefully. God gives us what he gives us, be it money, be it things, be it talents, be it abilities, be it intellect, be it faith, for reasons that are outside of yourself. And that's what Paul is saying in verses 11 to 15. You are purposefully blessed. And that is our second 
consideration this morning. In verse 12a, we see that you are blessed so that you can supply the needs of the saints. This is the answer to the question, why does God bless us? Three reasons why God blesses us, all very interconnected. We look at them here in verses 11 through 15. In verse 12a, we see that you are blessed so that you can supply the needs of the saints. Why are you physically blessed? Why do you have money? Why do you have talents? Why do you have abilities? You are blessed so that you can supply the needs of the saints. This is God's ordained way of meeting the needs of believers, particularly as we think in a material sense, the needs of believers that find themselves in need. The church is God's means of providing for them. God's people should be ready and willing to come alongside needy believers and to see them through their time of material lack. Now here's the principle. The principle is that you have been given abundantly by God. You take of your abundance and you give it to those who are in need recognizing that in doing so, God will bless you, be it physically or increasing the fruit of your righteousness. Then, if you ever happen to find yourself in a position where you are in material lack, you have the privilege of understanding and knowing that you can rely upon other believers as well in your need. Now, just a note, this is not Christian socialism. Socialism is a concept whereby wealth is redistributed. You take from one and give to the other so that everyone has the same. This is not what God is advocating and not what the church should subscribe to. The principle is that of sacrificial generosity, not compelled by equality, but compelled by need. And love and faith. So I should not dictate that you give to another member of the body because they have less than you. But if the Holy Spirit tells you that you should give to someone in the body, then you should respond in faith and do it. That's the principle. You are blessed so that you can supply the needs of the saints. In the second half of verse 12 and verse 13, you are blessed so that others will give thanks through your giving. This was a concept that was very exciting to me as I was studying. Not only does the need, the giving, supply the needs of the saints, but it also facilitates the thanksgiving of the saints. I'm a very thankful man for all that God has given to me. Do you realize that a large portion of all that I am thankful for The house that my wife and I are able to live in, the cars that we are driving, the clothes that I have on my back, the ability that I have to be thankful is because of the giving of this body. What that means is you have given the means by which I am able to be thankful to God. You have facilitated my own spiritual life through your giving. And that is what we learn in verse 12 and 13. Notice what it says. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want or the need of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment or the the, uh, experience of this ministration, when they receive from you these gifts, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them. So they see your submission to the gospel, which calls for us to give. They see your willingness to give of what they have 
what you have to them, and they glorify God. And God is glorified, and they are thankful to God because of the giving that you have been able to give. Because you have seen that which you have, you have given of that which you have to another who needs, and therefore they are able to thank God and glorify God. What a thought. I can thank God and glorify God for that which I have. But what a thought that I can help others glorify God and thank God by giving to them. Do you see how this is almost a spiritual snowball effect? That I am exercising godliness in my own life by giving in faith, purposefully, cheerfully, And by me exercising godliness, I am encouraging others to exercise godliness. And then when they have received of that abundance, then they are able to give of that which God has given to them and help others. And there we have this amazing domino effect of ministry through giving. You are blessed that you can supply the needs of the saints. You are blessed that others will give thanks to God through your giving. Verse 14, we see that you are blessed so that through your generosity, others may bless you through their prayers. It gets better. You have blessed me. I live off of the abundance of your giving. I am thankful to God and I glorify God. And I I praise him for how he has provided for me through you. But I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to pray to God for you. I'm going to thank God for you. And I'm going to ask God to continue to bless you. Because you take that which God has blessed you with and you do what's right with it. You give it to others. And so now you have not only receive the benefit of the fruits of righteousness as you have given. You have not only been able to be thankful to God, you have not only been able to help another man be thankful to God and to give glory to God, but now he is going to pray for you that God would continue to bless you because you take what you are given and you give it to those in need. And the cycle is complete. And there's great blessing all around And so, through your submissive giving, you will find a contingency of believers appealing to God to continue to bless you, knowing that his blessing upon your life will mean further blessings in the lives of those who need to be provided for. And it's one big circle of faith, of submission, of blessing, of love, and above all, of thankfulness to God alone for providing it. If we as believers would get over our stinginess, materially, our stinginess with our abilities, our stinginess with our gifts, if we would get over those feelings of selfishness that would compel us to take that which we have and hoard it to ourselves, we would find blessing beyond imagination. We would find a church body that the needs are met, where men and women are thankful to God, 
where men and women are praying for one another, we would be rejoicing with those who rejoice, we'd be weeping with those who weep. We would be in close-knit communion, and that would bring us back to a concept in Ephesians of being fitly framed one to another unto the body of Christ. And that is God's design for blessing. God has blessed you to various degrees, specifically so that you can then take those graces and use them to display your submission to the gospel through liberally blessing other believers, both meeting their personal needs and causing them to have reason to be thankful to God. These believers in turn will pray for you asking God that you would continue to be exceedingly blessed in order that you can continue to bless others with the blessings which God has given to you. Now that's a mouthful. But that's what this passage is teaching. And if I can leave you with one concept today, one overriding principle, it is this. Why does God bless you? God blesses you so that you can help others be thankful to God. This is Thanksgiving. This week is a week of Thanksgiving. When you give your money to help God's people, you have just helped them be thankful to God. When you use your talents with instruments, when you use your talents with uh, your hands to bless believers, you have just helped them be thankful to God. Purposefully, cheerfully giving to the needs of the saints. So perhaps as we think about all that we're thankful for this week, we should turn things around a little bit. Instead of asking, what am I thankful for? Which is a good question to ask. Maybe we could also ask the question, who have I helped to be thankful to God? Who have I blessed so that they in turn can have something to thank God for through me? And perhaps this shouldn't just be something that we think about this week. But certainly throughout our Christian lives. Because this is not a principle of thanksgiving. This is a principle of Christian living. So yes, this thanksgiving, I encourage you to be thankful in your own right for the things that God has given to you. But I encourage you to take those things that God has given to you to understand them and to see how you might be able to use them to bless others. And to help others be thankful to God as well. Take those blessings and cheerfully pass them along. As God has laid it upon your heart. As he has given to you a purpose to do. Give to others. Now with that in mind as we close I would remind you. Next week we have a missionary family coming through. They're a young missionary family. They are headed to Papua New Guinea. I've encouraged you last week and I encourage you again. Get down on your knees and ask God what he would have for you to give. Ask him to lay an amount upon your heart. Say, I don't have anything to give monetarily. What else can you give? Could you send them away with some food for their drive? Could you... Bless them in another way while they're here. Now, this missionary family won't be here for very long. But that's okay. 
We'll do what we can for them, but let's get a mindset. There's a family in, in the church in need. What can you do for them? There's a missionary family you know of in need. What can you do for them? Bring it before the church. What can our church do for them? Where have we been blessed? What are the abundances that God has given? And how can we use those abundances, those graces, to help others be thankful? Let's think about that as we close in prayer.